The following is part two of a four-part series at Ascension called Getting to Know God. This episode focuses on the need for a shift, a change in the way we approach things when it comes to God and our relationship with him. And the reason is simple. We're used to a work and reward way of doing things in this life. That is, we do things and then we get appropriate rewards or recognition. But God doesn't operate that way. In fact, our relationship with God, if it were to be based on us in any way, well, there would be no relationship. That's what sin has done. Thankfully, with God, it's not about our work and reward. It's about Christ, his work, and sharing in his reward. Now on Ascension on Air, getting to know God, God's generosity. So I consider myself rather savvy when it comes to technology. Uh, I think Becca would, would attest to this. Uh, while, while the smart TV at home is um, always maybe more of a dumb TV for Becca, it makes sense to me. I get it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't overwhelm me or anything. Uh, wireless networks, I can set those up and troubleshoot them. Even setting up a live stream system with a 4K mirrorless DSLR camera that connects to an external video capture card that plugs into a laptop and integrates with a sound system from the early 1980s. That's what we use here, and it works. It gets the job done, even though it's not perfect. Technology, comfortable with. I just got to, I'm just going to, I'm going to say this because I, I just, I'm going to say this. I'm so glad to see the hides this morning. Because when I sit down in front of a MacBook or an iPhone, I'm completely useless. Suddenly, the technology that I'm so accustomed to is something that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm looking for the familiar Windows and Android features, and I can't find them. I'm pretty much useless if, if one says, how do you do this on the iPhone? I have no idea. Now, of course, part of this is because, as we all know, Windows and Android is far superior to the Apple ecosystem of products. <laughs> yes, that was intentionally trying to lovely needle those Apple friends among us. I know who you are, you know who you are. Uh, but seriously, it's because they work differently. There is a different set of rules that how the operating system on Apple products works versus Android versus, um, versus Windows. And if you're not familiar with it, it just doesn't make sense. So if you're going to use Apple products, you have to adjust to the different ways it wor they work, the different operating system. If that doesn't make sense to you, if you just heard all this techno gobbledygook and you're like another sermon that begins with something that these young millennials are always talking about, it's okay. Um, I guarantee you've experienced something similar in other areas of life. Think back to when you were a kid. Thank you. Because my next line was, if you are a kid, it's not very far that you have to think back to. When you went from grade school, or if you imagine going to grade, from grade school into high school, was that a different experience between the two? Was there something different in the way things worked, the rules of the road, the operating system between grade and high school, besides just the classes you took? I think there was, right? Absolutely. When I remember, I don't remember a lot of things. Becca can attest to this. I have a poor long-term memory. But I remember ninth grade and thinking just 
how much more freedom I had than just a few months before in eighth grade. I was able to select some of my own classes. I could um, spend time in study hall or in homeroom the way I wanted. I could waste all that time I wanted or I could work hard in it. I had these choices. And so then, of course, the way high school operated meant I had to adjust to it. I had to become accustomed to these new rules of the road. Bigger change from high school to college. Some of us some of us here have yet to go into college, yes. And um, <laughs> I have to think about who's all here today. Some of us have yet to go into college, and when, you see, when that happens, it's an even greater change. The rules of the road change even more. Some of us, I haven't experienced this personally, but some of us have in the military. There's a big difference. I'm going to look at those people who I know have been in the military. A big difference between civilian life and life in the military, right? There's a huge change between the way things work in civilian life and military life, a much more structured, authority-oriented, command-oriented in the military. Sometimes jobs will experience this, going from one job to another, one company culture to the next. We experience these, these changes in the way things work. And we have to adjust. But one thing that remains constant across all those examples. One thing that persists throughout nearly every aspect of our life, one thing that never seems to change is the most fundamental and basic way this world operates. The operating system that we all come to know and become familiar with and become to rely on. The inviolable, unbreakable connection between work and reward. What I do, especially things that are worthwhile, what I do and my reward, what I get rewarded with, this underpins nearly every area of life, every experience that we have. We learn it from little on, from, from, from way little on. Right? Because some of you will remember this, uh, clean up, clean up, everybody do your... Share? Thank you. I can remember how it goes. Share or part? That's what the purple dinosaur taught us. Um, but what happens if you do more than your share? What happens if you clean up more than your siblings? Suddenly you're expecting one of two things, a little bit more recognition from mom and dad, or maybe the other person should get in trouble. There is a connection between our work and our reward, and it just gets stronger as we grow up. You get a job. The more grass, that was the first job I got was cutting grass. The more grass I the more money I get. The better mocha I make with better service, the bigger tip you get. The harder you work in school, the more your chances are of getting on the honor roll and maybe even getting a scholarship, a, a full ride or a partly full ride. You work and train and train and train and maybe you can get onto the, J, uh, to the varsity team or get a starting place on it. You work extra hours in the office staying late and pretty soon you're re recognized and maybe you become a supervisor or a manager. Sometimes that can happen just because you un unclog a toilet. The point is, there are tons of examples that we could look at and say, in all of these ways, what we do is connected to the reward that we get or at least that we believe we should get. So that if it doesn't happen, then we feel cheated. Then we feel like our hard work went unrewarded. But the operating system, if you want to call it that, the operating system in the kingdom of heaven, the way things work with God, 
entirely different. Entirely different. Which means that getting God means getting accustomed to a whole new way of looking at things. A shift in the fundamental expectations and assumptions for our relationship with God, our existence in the kingdom. And that's what Jesus teaches today in this parable. The story is pretty straightforward. It, it, it's, a, it's a story about this landowner who goes out, hires people in the morning, and it says uh, they all agree on a wage for the day, and then he goes out again. Later in the day, he finds more people, agrees to pay them whatever's right, he says. That'll come back later, whatever's right. He goes out again and does the same thing. I'll pay you whatever's right. Keep working. Later and later and later until finally he goes out late in the day with only one hour left to work, hires more workers, sends them into his, his vineyard. And at that point, uh, at the end of the working day, comes, uh, comes uh, payment time, right? And so they call all the workers together, and this is where the boss boggles our, our minds. Because as he calls each one forward, he gives them the same payment, a full denarius, which in that day would have been a full day's wage, regardless of how much they worked. This astounds the, 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 the workers who were hired last, and it infuriates those who were hired first, because suddenly they sense this giant gap between work and reward. And of course, if we experience something like that in our life, I think we would feel the same way, right? Because this grates against our sense of what is right or what we should expect in our life. But the thing about this story is that it's not about our normal experience in this life. It's about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like that is, life with God is like. Experiencing God's gracious rule in our lives is like. And then he goes on to describe something that is not like what we're accustomed to. It is not something we are used to. And it's something that a lesson that Jesus' disciples then and today need to learn. Before this parable, if you were your Bible open and you could look back and see what was there, you would read Peter's words talking about how he says to Jesus, Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Peter was calling out, making sure Jesus was aware of all the sacrifice he and the other disciples and the, especially the other 11 had given for the kingdom of God, the way that they were ambassadors for the gospel. And Peter wanted some assurances that all his hard work in the kingdom, all their hard work in the kingdom wasn't going to go unnoticed, that God would provide some, some reward. And maybe you hear that and you're kind of like, how could Peter ask for such a thing? This is the apostle. An apostle Peter, he knows better than this, but let's be honest, right? Let's be honest because that idea of work and reward is ingrained in all of us. That's why those workers responded the way they did in the parable. They worked longer and expected, therefore, to be a greater reward for themselves. That's why Peter was saying this to Jesus. Because of his sacrifice to the kingdom of heaven as an apostle who's left his family, he expected that there would be something more from God. And it is very naturally very naturally, our expectation too. 
very naturally the operating system that we tend to bring in. We bring in the, the way this world works and we tend to impose it on the kingdom of God. So that our hard work, whatever our hard work in the kingdom of heaven has been, we believe that it merits something. Well, at least in comparison to others. Or, or we tend to start believing that our sacrifices, our gifts of time, our gifts of money for the kingdom of heaven, well, it deserves some recognition. Again, at least in comparison to others. We tend to impose the way that this world works over the kingdom of heaven. And even though we might not say these things like Peter did here, we might not say them in our attitudes toward each other, in our expectations, even unspoken to God, they're there. The way this world works. Work and reward. But that's not the kingdom of heaven. And getting to know God means getting to know how his kingdom works, which is what Jesus shows us in this parable. It's not what we expected. It's not what we're accustomed to. It's not based on our hard work, friends. But instead, listen to what Jesus says. Do you notice how it's Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he goes on not to describe the people working in the vineyard and earning money in the vineyard. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. Whatever the kingdom of heaven is like that Jesus is teaching us here, it has something to do with the heart and the actions of this landowner. And what do you see? You see a man going out and hiring workers again and again and again, though presumably he had plenty. You see a man going out, and when he goes out, he sees workers who haven't been hired. He notices their needs and, and wants to provide for them, so he sends them into his vineyard. We see a, a man who looks at all of these people that he's hired, and he does not tie his generosity to how much productivity they had or how long they've been working or what they gave to him. He just is generous to them. We have a landowner who says, I will pay you whatever is right when he hires those late in the day and then gives the same payment to all of them. In some friends, there's a landowner here who does not act like a landowner you'd expect because his emphasis, his heart, his interest is not in what the workers can do for him, but in providing for the needs of these workers. Is the kingdom of heaven starting to materialize in your mind? Jesus' description of the kingdom of heaven? We approach things in this life on the basis of work and reward, but God's kingdom operates on an entirely different principle. The principle of God's goodness and generosity in Jesus Christ. And this is important because it means that no matter who you are and no matter how long you've believed in Jesus, no matter if you came to faith as a child in the waters of baptism or more recently in life have heard and embraced Christ's call to repentance, whether you bring these skills and services to the kingdom of God to give or whether you are keenly aware of your own 
See, and we are all inadequate to serve in the kingdom of heaven. No matter what the answer to those questions is, which make a big difference in this world, they make all the difference in this world. In God's kingdom, God's goodness and his generosity is yours fully in Jesus Christ. We talked about grace last week. Grace that forgives the guilty. All that is yours in Jesus Christ. No mercy is withheld. Regardless of how long you've labored in the kingdom, regardless of how long you've known your Savior. We, we, uh, we talked about purpose last week. God's purpose for human beings is redemption. All of that is yours in Jesus Christ. The true and new life we begin now in this life, even though it's only in part, we only start it in part, but yet what is to come as we will enjoy redeemed bodily existence with God forever, it's all yours in Christ. No good thing will be withheld. Everything that Christ is, all he has done in his life and in his death, and his defeat of death is yours. All of it. It's not prorated. You don't get part of it. You don't get less than Peter, Paul, or anyone else. It's all yours in Jesus Christ because this is now true. God has established a new principle for work and reward. In the kingdom of heaven, it's all about Christ's work and his reward. And that's here in this, in, in this parable. Did you, do you remember when the landowner says to the people he hired late in the day, I will pay you whatever is right? Another way of, of saying that would be fair, whatever's fair. Later on in the, uh, in the story, when the landowner is talking back to the, or answering back to the one who complained, he says, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. The point is, is that in the kingdom of heaven, God has established a new principle, a new operating system for what is right, and it is based only on what Christ has done, his work and his reward. And all of us who are in Christ, all of us who have faith in Jesus as our Savior, are due everything that Christ has won for us equally. Not because we actually have any merit of our own. If it were up to us, we would have forfeit. We forfeit God's goodness with our lives. But because God has taken us out of this world in which we live based on our work and reward, and he's brought us into the kingdom where based on Christ and his reward, that means everything Christ has done is ours. All of God's goodness is ours without exclusion. What does this mean? God's brought us into this kingdom in which Christ's work is credited to us and Christ's reward is given to us. What does that mean as we move forward as Christians, as we live our Christian lives, especially as we carry the gospel to others? Well, this is where Christ's closing words apply. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Put another way, we've come full circle now. We're back at where we began. We're talking about now grappling with changes in the way things work. Because in this world, the way things work is that we base it on what we contribute and what we expect to get. But in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is saying, be prepared for the opposite. Be prepared as you carry the gospel to people in your lives and in your community. 
that you will experience what Christ says here. The first will be last and the last will be first because some of those you carry it to will be people who will only come into the kingdom, will only come to know Jesus, who will only work in the vineyard late in the day, late in their life. And yet, they will share fully in Christ with us who have long lived in the kingdom of heaven and long labored in the vineyard of Christ. All of those who we carry the gospel to, regardless of whether they come in early as young people or late deathbed conversions, they will share in all that Christ is for us. And according to the world, that means we better cry foul. According to the world, it means we better say, God owes us something else. According to the world, the are now last and the last are now first, but we don't operate by the standards of the world. We're in the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, all that counts is Christ's work and Christ's reward for all of us who share faith in him. And that is what we get to bring to those in your life who are still far off. God bless you as you do that, as you see in your life the first becoming last and the last becoming first because the truth of the matter is that is life in the kingdom of heaven where we share in Christ equally. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Ascension. If you'd like to talk with Pastor Ben or just learn more about our ministry, check out our website at ascensionharrisburg.com.